Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Knows everything about you. The gospel writer said he numbered the hairs on your head. For some of you, that's a tougher number than others. But we serve a God today who is not surprised when we struggle. He's not afraid when we have tough days. You can't scare him off. You can't run him away. He loves you. He pursues you. His love, according to Paul, I can't get away from it. If I go to the, uh, David said, if I go to the heights of heaven or if I descend into the pits of hell, I can't get away from his presence. Paul said, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, none of those things were able to deprive him of the connection he had to the love of God. And so I'm thankful today to be in God's presence. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, uh, we're starting a brand new message series today. And uh, I want to say thank you for being here on Memorial Day weekend. It's an honor to have you in the house of God with us uh, to celebrate Jesus today and to celebrate our love for him. And so thank you for being here. Um, We are excited to see what God will do today and to challenge us and to kind of push us in a new direction in regards to the way we think. I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you over the next few weeks something that's really near and dear to my heart. Uh, I want to read to you from God's Word in just a moment, but before I do, I want to set up this series for you and tell you kind of what it's about. It's called Mastermind, and there's a tagline there that says, change your thinking and you'll change your life. And as many of you know, I did my undergraduate studies in psychology and Christian counseling, and I went on to get a master's in pastoral counseling. When you study psychology as it relates to the type of counseling or therapy that's out there, there are many different approaches that try to help people. And to be effective, you really need to kind of take an eclectic approach. You've got to look at a bunch of different things and take into consideration different ideas and actually consider the person that you're talking to uh, that you're trying to help. So no matter what approach, though, that I studied, for me, my central belief system aligned with a cognitive approach because it most aligns itself with the Bible. In its simplest form, it states that how we think shapes our behavior. The way that our thought patterns are designed shape how we behave in a real world. In other words, the behaviors that show up in our life originate in the way that we think. So over the next three weeks, we're going to do some unique stuff. We're going to look at the mind of the Apostle Paul. And what I love about the Apostle Paul is toward the end of his life, if anybody had won the battle of the mind, I think Paul had mastered his thinking. Paul had won that war, if you will. Uh, The good news for you and I is that Paul wasn't always there. In fact, if you read some of the early writings of Paul, sometimes, to be honest, he looks kind of crazy, which is really encouraging to me because oftentimes I feel crazy. Some of Paul's greatest battles are expressed in his writing, but they occur in his mind. Notice the war that Paul expresses that's going on in his mind in Romans chapter 7. He says in verse 15, 
For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For delight, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Does that sound like someone who is sane? No, it sounds like a crazy person. But let's be honest. We have the same patterns of thought running around in our brain. And if we were to expose how we are thinking to those around us or write it down on paper, it might be viewed more as a manifesto delivered to the news outlets than the normal ways of thinking. Because so many of us are battling a war in our minds and we're really struggling to overcome and to think properly so that we can live out a proper life. And so that's what we're calling week one, the war in our mind. Paul battled again and again in his mind, but he battled, he fought, he won, he took ground, and over time he mastered his thoughts. And even when all of life was stacked against him from a Roman prison, he could say that he was making eternal and impactful and life-changing thoughts because he'd captured the thoughts that were in his mind. Most of what Paul wrote, he wrote at the end of his life from a prison cell. The things that you and I think, man, that's such good stuff. Paul is locked up in a prison cell. You'd think he was on a beach on vacation, but he's not. He's literally chained to a guard, and they change out the guards regularly because Paul keeps converting the guards that he's chained to. What an attitude, what a life, what a way of thinking. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Let me just set the tone by reading to you from God's Word this morning. These are the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3 and 4. These are really the theme verses that we'll come back to over the next three, uh, next three weeks uh, in this series. But Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. He says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war. Somebody say wage war. We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, for those of you who are followers of Christ, you have access to supernatural weapons from the kingdom of heaven. The the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world, according to the Apostle Paul. On the contrary, they have divine power. Somebody say power. The Greek word that's translated as power is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from this. It literally means the explosive, miraculous power of God. The weapons that we fight with have heavenly, divine power to do what, according to the Apostle Paul? To demolish strongholds. So what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a word we, use, we don't use every day in our language. Uh, it's not the way we normally talk, but it comes from a Greek word, akaroma, and it literally means a fortified prison. One commentary I was reading was talking about that when you're in a stronghold, you're actually a prisoner, 
You're a prisoner locked up by deception. You're in a fortified prison. You've believed lies that have put you in this prison. So what does our enemy do? Our enemy tries to shape our thinking one lie at a time so that we're in this prison believing something that is not true. What does your enemy tell you? What are the things that he tells you? All of us are different. But my guess is you hear things like, you can't trust people. You can't let them know the real you. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't hear your prayer. You're never going to get over this. Your life is always going to be bad. You're always going to be hurting. You can't have real intimacy with others. Whatever it is that you hear, whatever the lie is that you're told, the enemy lies to you, and he lies to you, and he lies to you, and he does it over and over and over again, and he builds in you a stronghold. And that's what Paul says. He says, we have power to overcome strongholds. And then notice in verse 5, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. He, He literally says we demolish, we crush, we vanquish, we destroy, we demolish arguments and every pretension, those things that pretend to be something that they're not, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that is not from God, we crush it, we vanquish it, we demolish it, we obliterate it. We crush everything that is not in line with God's truth. So what do we do? We take captive every single thought. Every single thought. That's tough, right? Because our minds work crazy sometimes, really fast. We got to learn to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So over the next few weeks, we're going to learn to do, we're going to learn to recognize any thought that's not from God, and we're going to capture that thought, and we're going to make it obedient to Christ. Now, why does that matter? The life that you have reflects the thoughts that you think, which brings me to two important statements that are going to guide this series. You may have seen them on uh, social media this week. I'd love for you to write these down. The first statement is this. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And the second statement, and we'll come back to this one in a moment, but is you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. If you want to change your life, you got to change the way you think. Change your thinking, you change your life. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I'm going to say that again because if there's anything you get out of this, I hope you will listen to what I'm saying in regards to this statement. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I love the Old Testament proverb, Proverbs 23 and 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a person thinks, as he thinks in his mind, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks, so you become. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you believe through Christ that you can, you can. If you believe that you're a victim, always suffering at the hand of some outside circumstance, you will be a victim. If you believe that you can overcome through the power of Christ, you can overcome. If you're always looking at the problem and dwelling on the problem, your problems will overwhelm you. If instead you're looking for solutions, looking for the work of God, you will find solutions and you will see God working. We sang a song just a few minutes ago where it talks about, even though I can't see it, you're working. 
If you get a hold of that and put that in your heart and let that become a dominant thought in your process, God, even when I don't see it, I know you're working. I'm not going to ever doubt. I'm never going to question because I know you have my best interest at heart. Even when I don't see it, you're working. What do you know about, what do we know about our thoughts? For almost all of us in almost every situation, most of life's battles are won or lost where? In our mind. They're won or lost in our mind. The mind is a battlefield. Some of you heard children of the 80s thought love was a battlefield. Thank you, Sister Pat. But I want to tell you the mind is the battlefield. It is a battle between God's truth about you and Satan's lies to you, a war between God's truth and between our enemy's deception. What I want to encourage you to do today as we just build a foundation in our message series is to think about what you think about. Now, I know that's kind of weird, for some, that weird, sounds weird, but have you ever really stopped to think about what you think about? What I want to encourage you to do is begin to think about what you think about. Think about over the last few days, what is it that you have been thinking about? Conduct a thought audit. Let's consider what we've been thinking about. I want to give you four different extremes to think about what you've been thinking about. If you look at the screen and you'd like to take notes, we're going to examine three, four different extremes as it applies to our thinking. I want to go through them briefly and have you take a moment and consider where you fit on these scales. Let's talk first about worried thoughts versus peaceful thoughts. Worried thoughts versus peaceful thoughts. I wonder how many of you are worried about what people think about you, what people think about your children, about the future, about money, about job, about your health, about how long I'm going to preach today. Most of you are off work tomorrow. Just settle in. It's going to be a long, bumpy ride. No, I'm kidding. You know, we're worried about a lot of different things versus those people in the room who have a peaceful mind where you rest well at night. Your mind is at peace. You're always at rest. There's no anxiety. Whew, I'd like to meet that person. What do you think about? Is your mind characterized by worry or by peace? Let's talk about something else. Let's contrast a positive mindset with a negative mindset. Which one are you? Are you generally negative, critical about people? Can you believe she wore that? Who does she think she is? I can't believe he walks in here acting like that. Do you find fault easily? Are you discontented? Do you feel like life is always hard and it's going to get worse? Are you negative in your mindset? Or do you see the positive? I believe the best about people. Life is generally good, and I believe in the goodness of God, and I believe he's for me, he's with me, and he's working all things together to bring about good. Are you negative or are you positive? Usually hand-in-hand hand with that is the contrast between someone who is optimistic and someone who is pessimistic. Do you embrace life from a half-empty or half-full perspective? Are you engaged in your future with hope? Or with doubt? Are you looking forward, believing God for amazing things in the future, or are you just waiting for it all to fall apart? Optimistic or pessimistic? Let's talk about the contrast between worldliness and an eternal mind. Would you say you're more worldly in your thinking about the things of this world, what benefits me, what I get, what I have, what I want, materialistic thinking, how much I can accumulate for myself? 
or you're more eternal-minded, thinking about what benefits the kingdom of God, or how can I be a blessing to others, or how can I use my life to, to change the world, or to make a difference, or to have a lasting impact that lasts beyond my life. Think about your thoughts, because your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. On that spectrum, your life is going to follow your strongest line of thinking. If you're negative, your life is going to pursue negative. But if you're positive, your life is going to follow positive thoughts. Now, this isn't a thing about think your way to a better life, so please don't think that. But it does, it is tied in together with how we think determines how our life is going to plan out. No matter what you do, no matter what you have, no matter what you know, no matter what you buy, no matter where you live, no matter where you travel, you cannot have a positive life when you're having a negative mind. Your thoughts matter. Let me say it again. Your thoughts matter. Are you excited today about where your thoughts are taking you? Think about it. Think about what you think about. Are you excited about where you're headed? If our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts and you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind, are you satisfied, blessed, edified by the direction your thought life is taking you? Can I be real transparent today? I usually don't know any other way, so buckle up and hold on. Uh, I hope you don't leave church today and think I need counseling. Um, just keep coming to church and realize we probably all need counseling, okay? Okay. My thought life, going to get real, real for a moment. Okay, so my goal is to preach for about 35 to 40 minutes today. And for about 35 to 40 minutes, I can be faith-filled and positive and excited. The problem is that the last few years I've really struggled for about three days before I preach and about three days after my thoughts are just out of control. It's like a real, real battle. My thoughts would be like this. Nobody's coming to hear this today. You realize you're starting a series on Memorial Day weekend? Even if you manage to preach as good as Billy Graham, nobody's going to hear it. Nobody's going to care. And why do you think you're an authority on this subject anyway? So you got a piece of paper on your wall, big deal. Nobody cares what you have to say. Everybody knows the only reason you're up there is because the real pastor's out of town and he's on vacation. So that's why so many people are camping today instead of coming to church. I don't blame them. If I knew you were preaching, I wouldn't have come either. I hate camping, but I'd sleep in a tent to avoid you. Just stop talking. Give them the morning off. Stop wasting their time. Then the pity party starts. I work so hard to prepare and to get my thoughts together. And does anybody care? No. Nobody knows what I go through. Poor me. All this for what? Oh, you thought you'd generate some interest by posting on Facebook and Instagram. Hardly anybody even liked it except your family and a few people that pitied you. Now, as tough as I am on myself, beforehand, afterwards, it's probably even worse. Well, that wasn't any good. Oh, my gosh, I can't even believe that's what you did. Is that the best you've got? Is that what you paid for all that education for? I mean, your wife didn't even like it. I know she told you you did good, but she didn't mean it. On and on, my thoughts would race. Now, I know I'm being a little facetious, probably overdramatic. I'm sorry, that's where my daughter gets it from. But in a real world, how many of you would admit that it happens to you on a regular basis, where your thoughts run wild and they try to convince you that every insecurity that you have about yourself is real and overwhelming and inconquerable. And so if I'm being honest, 
literally for the last year or two, this has been one of the number one areas of prayer focus for me, and I've made massive improvements, but I still have a long way to go in letting God renew my mind, replacing the lies that I've believed about myself with truth. But I'm growing to a place where I'm less concerned about what you think, and I'm more concerned about what he thinks. And when I get to that place, I'm going to be all right. So when I use this word to reshape my thinking, which is so important, and that's what we're going to spend the next two weeks uh, following today doing, is learning to use this to reshape what we think about ourselves and about our lives and about the things that matter most. When I begin to do that, I see the transformative work of Christ in my life. This is what I want to share in the upcoming weeks. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So there is a war going on in your mind. Almost every battle in this war is fought in your mind. The marriage you have is a result of the thoughts you think. Your financial standing is often a result of the mindset about things that you have. The joy or lack of joy you have is based on what you think in your life, what you focused on, what you believe about you. We're going to dive into all of that. How are you going to build? So, how are we going to build a foundation today? What we talk about today is going to matter in the upcoming weeks. This is ground zero, this is the foundation. I'm going to give you two very simple thoughts we're going to work on today. Then we're going to build on top of those in the weeks to come. If you aren't here today and you're listening by uh, way of the podcast later in the week or you have friends that aren't here today, encourage them to listen online to this lesson because I believe with all my heart if they'll get a hold of this one, the next two weeks are going to make a big difference in their life. Because the reality is this, no matter who you are, No matter how successful or how great a failure you may feel like you are, your life is transformed positively or negatively based upon some foundational thinking. And if we change our thinking, we can change our life. All right. The first thing I want you to do, and this this is so important, I'll, I'll make this an assignment later on in this lesson, but I want you to start to think. Identify the number one stronghold that's holding you back. I want you to identify the number one line of thinking that holds you back. Again, a stronghold is a prison that's li- that is locked by deception. What's the lie? What's the deception? What's the enemy using to keep you from living the life God wants you to live? Anybody ever talk to themselves? I'm the only one, right? I, I know it's a sign of craziness. You can't admit it lest your neighbor think you're nuts. But let's just dispense with that for a moment. This is a safe place. We're all nuts. We all talk to ourselves. Some of us ask ourselves questions. Sometimes we even answer them. But in your self-talk, when you're talking to yourself, which I know you don't do, but just imagine that you did, maybe you hear things like this. I'm never going to be good enough. My past is too bad. After all that I've done, God could never, ever forgive me. I can't trust anybody. I can't get close to anybody. After what they did to me, I can't trust anybody at all. I'm never going to be in a job that I love. I'm always going to be behind. I'm never going to have enough. All of my relationships, no matter how hard I try, they all fall apart. What's the number one lie, the stronghold that's holding you back? Why is it so important that I answer that question? Why is it so important to identify the lies that we have heard over and over again? Whenever we have a thought... Our brain is literally redesigning itself around that thought. There's a changing chemical makeup of your brain. Every single thought creates a neurochemical change in your body. 
If you have a positive thought, your body rewards you with a little thing called dopamine. Some of you are going to be excited about this because you heard the word dope and immediately you're excited. Woo, I'm back in when I was 16. Woo, dope. It gives you a legal buzz, a quick hit, a thrill. You know that feeling. You hear some good news, dopamine. Someone that you like comments on your Instagram post, dopamine. Somebody says, ooh, you're looking good today, dopamine. It's a little chemical hit, that thrill in your brain, and your brain is saying, I like that thought, let's think it again. It's a reward. So what happens is the more you think, the more you have a thought, the more you're creating what scientists call neural pathways in your brain. Thank you, Rebecca, for texting me right in the middle of my message. I appreciate it. (laughs) I should have the text function cut off of my iPad, and I wouldn't have that problem, huh? Your brain creates a path, kind of like I walk through the grass nonstop in the same place. I'm creating a path across the grass. Your thoughts, the more you think a thought, the more and easier it is to think that thought again. In fact, if you think a thought enough, that thought becomes a default thought of your brain. If you tell yourself you don't have enough over and over and over again, you create a pathway where it's easier to think that you're never going to have enough rather than believing that God is your source. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? You've created negative neural pathways. In order to change your thinking, we have to change the path that your thoughts travel on. For example, if I've got nothing but a negative path, I have to stop and say, wait, that thought is not helpful, it is not productive, it is not for God. Therefore, I'm capturing that thought, and I'm choosing a different thought. I'm choosing to walk a different way toward a different thought. I'm creating a new pathway. So here's what's happening. If you continue to travel an unhealthy pathway, guess what? The path is clear, and it's easy to travel. If you walk from your back step to the, to the por- off the porch and to the shed over and over and over again every day, same way, what happens? You wear out the path, right? It comes really easy to walk down. You don't have to cut through anything. You don't have to get through it. It's easy. And that's what happens in our mind. We have these pathways that are built. And the more we think them, the easier it is to travel. Your brain creates a path, kind of like me walking across that grass. I'm creating a path through the grass. Your thoughts, the more you think that thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. In fact, if you think that thought enough, that thought becomes a default thought in your brain. If you tell yourself you don't have enough over and over, you create a pathway where it's easier to think that you're never going to have enough. So here's what happens when you create that unhealthy pathway. If you choose to stay off of the unhealthy pathway and begin to walk in a healthy way, over time, the grass starts to grow back up. And it's not as easy to travel and it's not as appealing. And you create new pathways with new God-honoring thoughts. And suddenly, the God truth becomes the default instead of the lie becoming the fault. Does that make sense? Now, what we're doing is we're creating God-honoring neural pathways in our brain. For example... If you have a frustrating day at work and you come home and there's chaos everywhere at home, I know nobody ever has this problem in their house, but I'm sure there's maybe one person like me who has experienced the chaos of walking into a home and feeling like everything is just out of sorts. Anybody ever felt that way? And the kids are going crazy and then you just say, okay, I'm going to yell at my kids today. And every day when that happens, you yell. What you've done is you've created a neural pathway that says, when there's chaos, I yell. When there's chaos, I yell. When there's chaos, I yell. 
and then we change our thinking. It might be, well, I stop and I count to 10, or in your case, count to 500, whatever you need. And you pray a prayer, and you walk in, and you hug your spouse, and you embrace your kids, and instead of yelling, you choose a different path. What are you doing? You're creating a new pathway. Whatever your mind says, I don't feel good about myself, let's eat. There's a clear pathway between a bad feeling and the refrigerator. I don't feel good. Ice cream is the solution. I don't feel good today. Ice cream. I feel pretty bad about myself. Ice cream. What you do is you got to capture that thought and say, no, actually, when I don't feel good about myself and then I eat more, then I've compounded the unhealthy feeling about myself. So instead, I'm going to travel a different path. I'm going to choose a new path. When I don't feel good about myself, maybe I go for a walk, not to the refrigerator, but around the block. I might eat something good instead of the ice cream. I have a bad thought about myself. You know what? I'll go eat some celery. And then you feel better, and you get a little shot of dopamine, and you go do your little walk, and you get a little dopamine, and then you're rewarded for doing the right thing. The old pathway starts to grow over. It's not as easy to travel. It's not as appealing, and you've created a new and a more healthy pathway. Your mind tells you, I'm going to blow it. I've never been good enough at this. I screw everything up. Nothing goes my way. Is that a God-honoring path? No. You say, I'm not going to travel down that way anymore. I capture those thoughts. Those are unhealthy. They are not productive. They are not lifting my spirit. I'm choosing a different path. I believe God is with me. I believe God is for me. I believe that he is blessing me. I believe his spirit dwells within me. I believe that he hears my prayers. I believe he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's create. What am I doing? I'm creating a new path. How do we change our lives? We change the way we think. So what does scripture say about this? Let's go back, back this all up with the Bible because a lot of people think, oh, he's in that psycho mumbo jumbo. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing to God. That's your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I could say it better this way. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pathways that it's choosing to take you down. Don't think the way the world would want you to think. Don't live the way the world would want you to live, but instead be transformed, be changed by the renewing of my mind. Science would say we're rewiring our brain. God's word would say we're renewing our mind. My assignment for you is this. Identify the one stronghold that's holding you back. Just one. I know you probably got six or seven. I got 42. But I'm going to identify one stronghold this week that's holding me back. You have to define it. It's so important. You think I'm not lovable. It's not worth it. It's too much effort. I'll never be good enough. I don't deserve anything good. I'm always going to be broke. I can never be close to God. I can never have a really meaningful relationship. Whatever that thought is, identify it. Because whatever it is and you name it, it's so important because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. If you can't give it a name, you cannot defeat it. This is a lie from the enemy that has kept me imprisoned. Name it, and then we're going to attack it. Identify the one stronghold. And then the second part of the assignment is this. I want you to find the truth in the word of God that demolishes the stronghold. See, if you believe that you are worthless, you can go to God's word to discover that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
What's the truth? We're not going to travel the old, unhealthy, unhelpful path. Instead, we're going to discover the truth of God's word, and we're going to follow that path. Let me illustrate it to you like this. A few years ago, some of you heard about my horrible vacation story uh, on our trip to Florida where our air conditioning and our car stopped working about two hours into the trip, and then as we were traveling in 95-degree temperatures with all the windows down, the CV axle broke on my car going 75-plus down the interstate, and thankfully we were able to maneuver the car through traffic without hitting anybody or killing ourselves or flipping the car. And we ended up having to spend the night in a little town called Walterboro. Walterboro has become very special to my family. We, every time there's really something tough, we think about one night in Walterboro. Until some really great folks from our church that happened to be on their honeymoon was breezing by Walterboro, and they took me to Savannah, Georgia to get a rental car. We went on the rest of our vacation, and we left our car in Walterboro to be fixed. Well, long story short, our car was under warranty, and while they were fixing the CV axle, they went ahead and pulled down the AC unit to repair it. Round and round they went with the warranty company who decided they wanted us to bring the car back to the dealer in Richmond before it could fi- they could guarantee the fix of the air condition. So they put the AC back together, and I picked up the car, and I drove it the rest of the way back home. In 95-degree temperatures in the middle of the summer, we drove with the windows down from Walterboro, South Carolina, to our home in Mechanicsville, Virginia, without any air conditioning. I don't know if I lost any weight, but I certainly felt like I sweated some off. I dropped the car off at CarMax. I picked up a rental car and left it there for them to fix. They called me two days later. We've been running your car, driving around for two days, and the air conditioner is running great. We don't know what your problem was, but it's working fine now. You see, something had occurred when they took the system down and put it back together that caused it to start working where it was not working before. But because I did not know it had the ability to work, I never even attempted to turn it on because in my mind it had failed and had not been fixed and therefore would not work. We had the ability to be cool all the way back from Walterboro, South Carolina to Mechanicsville, Virginia. But because of faulty thinking, a lie that I told myself, we never even tested to see if it would work. Now, I know that's a cute story, but some of us have believed lies about ourselves for so long that it has become the default way that we think, and we have the power of God in our lives to overcome every lie that the enemy has ever told us. But we never even tap into the power of Christ living in us because the pattern of thinking says the lie is the truth. Identify what the lie is. What is the lie that you've believed about yourself for so long that it holds you hostage, that it won't let you go, that it won't let you become what God wants you to become? There's a truth that will set you free. I want to look at our text again, the whole text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Understand, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the guy I read from you beginning. He struggled in his mind. He said, that thing I want to do, I don't do, and the stuff I'm supposed to do, and I want to do, I love to do, I don't even do that. You know, that that war that was going on. This is a guy who fought for health. He fought for strength. This is a guy who never surrendered to the lies, but he continued to press for the truth. Notice what he says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Listen, church, our weapons have heavenly power, divine power, the miraculous explosive power of God to demolish strongholds, to demolish the lies of the evil one, to crush the strongholds. So what do we do? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Notice the word, if you're, on, if you're looking at that, on the third line, the last word. It says captive. I love the word captive in that verse. It comes from a Greek word that literally means to arrest or to seize with a sword or spear. In other words, it means to capture at sword point. What I love about this is when you think about what the Apostle Paul also wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about to us about the armor of God that we are to do battle with against the forces of darkness. And every piece of armor that he gives us is defensive, except for one. The helmet is defensive. The breastplate of righteousness is defensive, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes prepared for the gospel, the readiness of peace. But there is one piece of armor that is an offensive weapon, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which Paul describes as the Word of God. So what we do is we capture the lie with the sword of the Spirit, with the truth of God. And we declare that it is not from God, therefore I will not believe it. This is what God says, therefore I will embrace it. The lie doesn't come from him. I'm capturing it at sword point, and I'm embracing what indeed my sword says I am to be. We capture every wrong thought. I'm not going down this negative path. I'm going to go down a different path. I'm going to get into what God's word says and let it be my destination. I'm choosing a different road. And now look, when I look at that old path, the path is starting to grow over. It's not as appealing. It's not as easy to walk down because I'm going a different way. The more I travel God's truth, the more I believe it. The more he renews my mind, the more he changes my thinking, the more I'm able to walk by faith and not by sight. The more his spirit guides me, the more his word directs me, the more he empowers me, the more I, the more I walk down the right path, the more I'm able to accomplish what he's called me to do. Now, your life, I said it from the beginning, is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. We capture the wrong thoughts. We capture the wrong thinking. What's the number one thinking that's held me hostage? We're going to capture it. The number one thought goes back to my childhood. I remember literally as a little kid feeling like I'm not good enough. I got to try harder. I'm not good enough. I got to try harder. Now, decades later, it's matured. No matter what you do, you fail. If you give it all to the church, you fail at home. If you give it at home, you fail at church. Whatever message you do, it's never quite good enough. You can't meet everybody's expectations. You let them down, and you're nothing but a failure. You try and you try, but you've never had enough. The reason this lie is so powerful to me is because there's bits of truth in it. There's bits of truth in it. The truth is that on my own, I do not have enough. On my own, I don't have what it takes. On my own, I am not good enough. But the truth is, I'm never on my own. My God is always with me. His spirit dwells within me. I have access to his living word, which is sharp and powerful and quick, and it's able to pierce asunder even the soul and the spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within me. When I start to recognize that, I don't travel the wrong path. 
I'm on the right path. I have time to do everything God wants me to do. I have the resources to do everything he wants me to do. I have the power to do what he wants me to do. I have his truth dwelling within me. I have his spirit comforting me and guiding me and correcting me and convicting me and empowering me. I have everything I need to do everything God wants me to do. That is the truth, and that is what I need to learn to use as the motivating factor in my thinking. This is my truth, and it's found in Second Peter 1 and 3. When the lies come to me, this is what the truth says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So when I feel I'm not enough, his word says I've got everything I need. God's divine power has given us, I'm going to personalize it, God's divine power, Davina, you and I, he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. I have everything that we need. The more I walk in this, the more God's pathway becomes clear, the easier it is for me to travel, and the more his truth becomes the default. Satan tells me, you can't. Oh, no, 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 Satan, I'm sorry. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't know what it would be for you. I don't know what your lie is that you're fighting against. Maybe you say, I can't get it all done. I can never get ahead. I want you to know today that when you're weak, he makes you strong. I'm not attractive and I'm just not good. No, 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 I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm miserable and I'm always hurting, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm always going to be alone. No, 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 he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But I'm just a victim. I can't overcome. There's just too much. I'm always going to be addicted. No, 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 I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the words of my testimony. I am not who the enemy says that I am. I am who my God says that I am. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. What is it that you think about yourself that has been lied to you over and over again? Stand up and capture the word of God and allow it to be the thought process that guides your life. Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The musicians and praise team would come. Prayer team, if you would come as well. At the start of this series, I just want to remind us today that we are, I I love, I had a conversation with a friend of mine not long ago, and he didn't know I was going to say this, but he talked about how the Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ. To be a joint heir means my inheritance is the same as the inheritance of Christ. Paul said that the same spirit that was in Christ that raised him from the dead, guess what? That spirit is alive in me. And so guess what? I am a child of God. I am his kid. And you know, my dad is a great man, and he loves me, and if he can be of a blessing to me or help to me, he's always been willing to do it if it was within his power. But at the end of the day, biologically or physically, I might be his kid. But guess what? I am a child of God. And he holds everything that I need. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. But the point of it is, instead of me being puffed up and proud of my inheritance, what instead I am is I use my inheritance to become a servant to all. I take on his mind. 
And see, when I have his mind, it's hard to be a selfish thinker and a giving person at the same time. It's hard to be a positive person and a negative person at the same time. So if Christ's thoughts are positive, they are for me. They're not against me. If Christ's thoughts are that we're going to succeed and we're not going to fail, if Christ's thoughts are that we are going to make it, we are going to overcome, and we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, if those are the thoughts of Christ for me, then I can learn to think them myself. Instead of me always looking at the problem and allowing the problem to overwhelm me, I can look at the God who is able to help me overcome the problem. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. They're going to ready to sing and If you have something you'd like specifically for someone to pray with you about, our prayer team is here. They will pray with you. But let's all stand together. And before you come today, I just want to take a moment with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to lead us in a moment of prayer. Father, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for the challenge of your word today, God. Lord, that we are more than conquerors in you and that today God our thoughts may have taken us down some wrong paths but we're endeavoring to change the way we think I want to think about what you accomplished in me and not where I lack I want to see the end result of where you're taking me as the finished product of the greatness of your presence in my life and not always looking around like I I can't get there because I don't have what I need because I have everything I need in you. Today, God, I pray over the people of God that are in this room. God, that we, many times, we have allowed our own way of thinking, our own negative patterns to direct us down wrong paths. And today, we're going to try to begin the process of reworking the way we think. God, this week I pray blessings over the people of God that we would be hungry for your word and that we would apply it to our life, that we would not allow the negative thoughts of this world or the negative thoughts of our enemy to perpetrate lies in our life, but rather, God, that we would open ourselves up to the possibility that in you all things are possible, that anything can be accomplished if we'll put ourselves and submit ourselves to your will today. God, today is... We, as we consider the thoughts in our life and consider the things that we're facing, God, I pray today that you would be real to us, that you would be a real relationship revelation to us, God, that we're not just satisfied, God, to know you in a distance, to know you afar off, but that we desire to have you close in our life, a personal relationship that impacts everything that we do, everything that we say, that we would be guided by you, that our life would be in line with your word and that we would strive to be more like you every day. Father, you're so, we're so thankful today for your goodness. We're thankful, for Lord, that you've met with us today, that we've experienced your presence. And I ask you now, God, allow your presence to guide our lives and to settle into this place and touch people's hearts when we leave here, God, we would be able to say we've been in the presence of God. As they began to sing today, if you'd like to come and have specific prayer for something, this altar is open. But we want to open this altar today for you if you'd like to come and pray. But I'm so excited to experience God's presence with you this morning. Father, we thank you. Risk it all, answer the call, enter in. 